Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Hey, have you ever had something in your life that you just felt like you had to have? Like there was something that you just, you couldn't live without it? You ever had something like that? Huh? Yeah? What was it? A cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. <laughs> Okay. Anybody going to experience that with finals? Yep, a few people. <laughs> All right, what else? All right, Bible answers. <laughs> We're not going to go there. <laughs> Come on. Music, you've got to have a certain, maybe a new album's coming out or something, right? What? Food. Preach. Like fried chicken. Is that fried chicken pretty good? Free fried chicken is always good. <laughs> right, what else? Something that you just feel like you have to have. Canes? Oh, gains? Like, oh, muscle gains. Okay, I got you. I got you. Like I said, canes. I was like, man, we like some fried chicken around here. <laughs> okay. Okay, maybe it's... um. Maybe it's not just something. Maybe it's like there's a situation that you feel like, if I could just get to this, to this spot in life, if I could just get to this particular circumstance, then my life would be complete, right? You feel like then your life would be perfect. Anybody ever been there before? Don't lie to me. I know you have, right? You just feel like, man, if I could just get there. Like for some of y'all, it's like, if I could just have a boyfriend, my life would be perfect, right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I'm not, that wasn't me, okay? <laughs> Anybody? You felt like there was a situation that you, if you could just get to, then your life would be better? Anybody? Ah, graduation. Sam and Seth and Paige and Abby are like, got him. <laughs> right? Question, when you, whenever you got what it was that you wanted, so maybe it was a thing, like something, uh, you know, sweet guitar or whatever, or maybe... It, maybe it was a circumstance. Once you got that thing, what happened normally? Uh, what, did you, what did you say? Anybody experience that? Yeah, if you didn't hear me, said you're happy for like a week, and then after that, you're like, mm, I want something new, right? That's like, I think the worst time that you see that, maybe one of the worst times, is Christmas, right? These little kids are like, I can't live without it, right? And then once they get it, after a week, it's like, this thing's trash, man. I want a new one, right? Yeah. We typically get discontented really quickly, right? Our contentment doesn't last very long. Or again, you, you feel like, man, if I could just get to this certain stage in life, then again, my life would be complete. Everything would be perfect. And then once you get there, you're like... Ah, but maybe there's something else. We, we don't seem to stay content very long. I wish I knew what the secret was. Like, seriously, what is the secret to contentment? Because people have tried all kinds of different things, and it, it seems like it doesn't always last. Actually, it never lasts. Like, no matter what it is, you, th- you think, once I get it, it doesn't matter. Once you get it, it, the contentment, the happiness, the satisfaction doesn't last. 
What is the secret to contentment? And we all, some of us think, oh, I, you know, I think I may know this. So I talked to someone yesterday. And I, yeah, they felt pretty confident about what the secret was. But um, I think our lives, the dissatisfaction in our lives shows that we don't know what the secret is. <laughs> so many of us walk around hurting, upset, dissatisfied, angry with the world, discontent. So I'm not sure we know what the secret is. Interesting enough, as old as the Bible is, the Bible knows the secret to contentment. (laughs) So that's why we're going to check it out. (laughs) The answer is in the Bible. God used Paul to write the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, we we see what the secret to contentment is. We're going to start in verse... um, I'm in Hebrews. That is not the right book, sorry. I was like, that doesn't look like what I studied. (laughs) All right, let me get there, sorry. Um, Just a little backstory on on this. If you've been coming, you're already familiar with this. If you haven't, not a big deal. You'll be perfectly fine. But the Philippian church at one point had been kind of um, giving to and and helping out financially with Paul's ministry, and they had to stop for for a time for some reason. And they began to to be able to give and support his uh, church planning ministry again. And that's kind of what he's talking about in verse 10. So let's check that out. Philippians 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So again, there, there was a moment where they couldn't, give and now they're giving again and and Paul says I know you've always wanted to give and help out and support me and my ministry of church planning but man I'm excited now that you're giving again but he says let me be clear hold on let me clarify I am not saying that I'm in need I am not saying that I'm desperate for financial help and this blows my mind he says for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content in Whatever situation. Just a quick question. Where was Paul when he wrote this? He's in prison. I'm in prison. I am perfectly happy and content and fine. I'm like, something's wrong with you, bro. <laughs> that is not normal. <laughs> he says, I'm perfectly content. If you remember Paul, he was, he was beaten. He was tortured. He was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. How is he, he going to say, I'm content? He says, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm content. In whatever situation I'm in. I don't know about y'all, but I can think of some situations where I haven't been content. <laughs> like, or, you know, maybe I, I, I got content for a little bit, and then it went away. Like, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, the new, uh, which is like every six months, so you can't keep up. But, like, when the, new, when the new iPhone comes out, it's like, oh, man, I got to have that, right? My life will be perfect when I get the new iPhone. Anybody ever felt that before? Don't raise your hand. Just kidding. <laughs> I've, I've been that way before. Actually, uh, we're, yeah, I'll throw David under the bus. We both were that way. We were both nerds and getting them about the same time. It was like every day was like checking the, like, the UPS status, where it was at and stuff. And then poor David, someone stole his phone. <laughs> I say, you should have been doing that devotional, David. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, it was like this, this deep desire to get the iPhone. And then we got it. I remember he, he got his and he brought it to the office. And I was so jealous. He like took it out. And I was like, man, that thing's so awesome. Right? It's, he, he got the plus. It's so cool. It's got a nice camera. This is the coolest thing ever. He was taking, like, he was like literally taking, and I did it too, so I'm not making fun. But like, we were taking portrait mode and everything. Zach Vega. <laughs> and he, he loves it too, right? Um, yeah, taking portrait mode of, of my coffee cup, like of everything. I think it's the coolest thing ever. 
And then what happened after like um, two weeks? I wonder when the next one's coming out, man, <laughs> right? This is cool, but when's the next iPhone coming out? It, it didn't last, right? So even if something as dumb as a phone, like I can't seem to be content in that. I remember uh, I drove from when I was six, which is some people keep their cars a lot longer than this, so I'm not complaining by any means, but I got my, it was a uh, 2001 Pontiac Grand Am. We had some fun nicknames for that. I will tell you later. But um, uh, I got it when I was 16 and then drove it for, I guess, about 11 years. Even when I, even when I was here, uh, moved here, still had it. And um, I remember when it finally was time to, to get something different. I got my little uh, incredibly manly little black truck. And I remember when I got it, I was seriously so excited about that truck. Like, just ecstatic about that truck. That was the coolest thing ever. And it didn't take but about six months before I was like, Maybe I should have got that truck over there, right? Or, man, maybe I, I, rushed, I rushed out a little bit. I mean, it's a nice truck, but I could have done something better. So, I mean, as, as satisfied as I was at the moment and like, man, I just couldn't believe I got this new truck, it didn't take but a few months for something as exciting as a new vehicle for me to be like, eh, <laughs> could have done something better. I, I don't seem to be content very long. And Paul's saying, in whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content. And I, I can't seem to be content even with all this wealth around me. Sometimes it's not just things. Sometimes it is a situation. Does, has anyone, I want you to raise your hand in a second. Did anyone, when you were in high school, feel like, man, high school is okay, but when I get out of high school, within my life, it's going to be, it's going to be legit, right? I'll graduate high school, I'm going to go to college, and my life will be perfect. And then what happens? You, first of all, anyone feel that way in high school? Okay, and then you graduate high school, you get into college, and the first, the first like, welcome week and stuff, you're like, this is awesome, it's everything I dreamed of, right? And then after, like, a month, you're like, me, <laughs> it's okay. Anybody feel that way? Yeah. You feel like, man, if I can just get to this situation, if I can just get to this circumstance, then my life will be complete, it'll be perfect, it'll be better, but it doesn't last what is the secret to contentment? Because clearly we've all bought the lie of the grass is greener on the other side or the grass is greener when you get this thing, whatever it is. But the problem is it's a lie because we've all felt that way and then been completely let down. What, what is the secret? But Paul must know because he says, whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content. But you know what? He doesn't, he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What in the world? <laughs> He's saying, literally, no matter what life throws at me, I've learned to be content, to be satisfied, to be happy, to be, to be okay. And again, this is not, he's not just saying, even when I have all my wants met. He says, even my needs. So even when I'm hungry and don't have food, you know what? I'm okay. I'm content. Who says that? Seriously, what in the world? Like, in India, I was there for a few weeks. And even just when we had some, like, what was to me strange food, I found myself being like, man, I want to go back to Lubbock. This sucks. <laughs> and he said, even when I don't have food, I've learned to be content. So even in the terrible, tragic moments of life, Paul says, I, I'm content. But it's interesting to me. He says he's learned to be content in the low times of life, but it's not just that. He's learned to be content even in the high times of life, even when he's abounding. And it's funny, 
Have you noticed, I'm sure you have by now, that sometimes it seems like it's more difficult for people to be content when they have lots of stuff. Because like once you get a taste of something, you want more, right? Like ice cream for me, right? Amen. <laughs> once you get a taste, you want a little bit more of it. He says, I, whether I've got a lot or whether or I've got a little, I, I've learned to be content. What is the secret? Because I, I, like, I haven't figured that out in my life. Because <laughs> it, it seems like whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, it doesn't matter. I just, I'm not content. <laughs> Think about, you see it in your life. Some people have, from the world's point of view, have everything. They have an incredible car, truck, whatever vehicle. They have a beautiful house. They have all the right clothes. They have popularity, but they seem to hate their lives. <laughs> Think about, some of y'all are familiar with John Mayer. I really do like his music. He has a song from like 2003 called Something's Missing, and the whole song talks about how he has, he has everything that the world would say, yeah, that's, that'll, that'll make you happy. He says, yeah, I have all the things that the world would say, would, that the world says should make me happy, and I'm not happy. Something's missing. At the end of the song, he got, goes through this checklist. Like, literally, it's a checklist. He says, like, money, check, car, check, phone, or, uh, phone calls waiting on me. This is like 2003 before text. But, like, voice messages waiting for me, check, guitar, check, microphone, check. But something's missing. What's the secret to contentment? It, it apparently is not just having a bunch of stuff or having popularity or fame or success. And then I've seen some people who their car is a joke and you're like, are you sure you want to put your body in that car? Like, it will result in death. <laughs> Speaking of death in a car, don't get in Uber vehicles in India, Okay. <laughs> It is a little crazy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that like people who wanted to be race car drivers in America but couldn't make it, just go do that. <laughs> so. Anyways, some people have like their car is a joke. They live in a ratty apartment. Their clothes are plain and lame. They, they don't have any popularity, and they just seem to be perfectly content. Life is good with them. What is the secret to contentment? Not many people seem to have figured it out. <laughs> Contentment. It's not, it's not about loving what you have or not wanting what you lack. Contentment is about knowing where to look for contentment. Check out what Paul says in verse 13. He says, I can do all things, all things being what he's just talked about, facing hunger, plenty, abundance, and need, every circumstance. I can do all things. I can face anything through him who strengthens me. Looking to Jesus for contentment is the secret to contentment. You know, as long as you're looking to the things of this world for contentment, you're not going to be content. Most of you are if you're, you're at least 18, if you're not, you should probably leave. <laughs> Most of you are at least 18, 18 years, and probably you would agree with me that nothing in this world has made you truly long-term content, satisfied, complete. 
Here's, Augustine said it really well. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. As long as you're searching for contentment in the things of this world, you're gonna be let down. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can, Christ, he makes it possible for me to face anything and be content. So I look to him for contentment because my circumstances, my situations, my, fa- my finances, everything around me is going to change, but Jesus never changes. So I look to him for contentment. So y'all, this verse I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which you probably, whether you've never been to church or whatever, you've probably heard this verse. This verse is not about, I can bench press 300 pounds because Christ strengthens me. If I do that, I will die. (laughs) This verse is not about, I can pass that final even though I don't study because Christ will strengthen me. That's stupid. Don't do that. (laughs) This verse is not about, I can eat gross food that I wouldn't normally eat because Christ will strengthen me. That's stupid. Don't do that. See, this verse is way, way better. It's saying that you can face anything in life, no matter how rich or poor you are, no matter where you are, you can be content, satisfied, whole, complete, because you have Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. He's all you need. So look to him. The secret to contentment is knowing where to look and looking to Jesus for contentment. It's kind of like if you uh, imagine you go to a restaurant, your favorite restaurant where they have your favorite food. So maybe it's favorite steak or lasagna or just some good old tacos, right? And so you go to your favorite restaurant and you get your food. Let's say you get your tacos. And all your friends, they're worried about the weather. They're worried about school. They're upset because they got some salsa on their shirt or whatever. And you're like, bro, you need to chill. I got my tacos. Life is okay, right? My tacos made me complete. <laughs> now, as stupid as that is, it is funny how sometimes when you, when you focus on the right thing, everything else doesn't really matter, right? Some of y'all are really not too stressed or worried about your finals because your focus is on the fact that it is about to be summer break, right? Can I get an Amen. <laughs> So you're like, man, I got these finals. This is a big deal. I got to work hard. I got to study hard. But you know what? Summer's coming, <laughs> and it's going to be okay. You know, some of y'all have summer school. You're like, shut up, Brandon. <laughs> but when your focus is on, on that, it's like it changes your perspective. Where you focus can change your perspective completely. When um, come back from India, we've been there two weeks, and we left uh, – well, India time, it was a Friday night we were going to leave. Our flight was supposed to leave at 10.45, so we got to the airport at, I don't know, 8.30, something like that, 8 o'clock. Well, uh, the three other gentlemen I was with, they check into our flight, no problem at all. Uh, and by the way, this is like fixing to be a crazy flight back. It's like um, six hours to Hong Kong from New Delhi, and then we were going to have to wait six hours there, and then 16 hours to Dallas, and then an hour back to Lubbock. Um, so it was already a little bit stressful. It was getting late at night. So I get up to the counter and, uh, I give them my passport and they swipe it and the guy kind of looks at me and I'm, so I like straighten up a little bit. What do you need to see here? Right? So swipes it again and he says, sir, we have no record of your ticket. I said, get set boy. (laughs) No, I was like, uh, can you try it again? Like, I don't, (laughs) and so he swipes again. He says, sir, there's no record of your ticket. I said, I'm confused. I pulled out the, my receipt and I said, like, here's, here's my paper with all the flight information. 
Like, here's the first part of the trip where I came to New Delhi. Here I am. I'm in New Delhi. And this part is where I go home to Texas, and I want to go home to Texas. Like, it shows where I paid. I don't see what the problem is. Sir, we have no record of your ticket. And so uh, my professor who I was with uh, is a little bit, uh, he's like 6'5", and slightly more direct than I am. So he kind of took over the conversation. <laughs> and uh, anyways, we walk away. And as we walk away, I, I kind of felt myself get irritated and like, I'm about to, you know, it's going to lose my mind. And then I realized, you know what? Either way, I'm going to go home. Either they're going to figure this out, and they ended up figuring it out, but they're going to figure this out, or I'm going to take out my credit card, I'm going to walk over there, and I'm going home. <laughs> I will buy a ticket. I'm going to Lubbock, right? And it was funny, because as we were standing there, I really, like, after I thought about that, like, hey, my focus is I'm going home. Who knows what's going to happen in between, but I, I'm going to go home. Like, I'm from America. They can't stop me, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, I'm totally kidding. Uh, there was a couple of times I thought they were going to stop me. <laughs> um, but that was my focus. So we're standing in the circle, me and the other guys I was with, and Mike, one of the guys, he goes, dude, you were handling this way better than I would be. I would be about to bust some heads together. And I was like, no, it's okay. He was like, no, really, it is not okay. And I was like, no, dude, it's okay. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I just told you, either way, I'm going to go home. Like, they're going to get this right, or I'm going to go over there to Emirates, I'm, I'm going to buy a plane ticket. I'm going to go home, and then Americans are going to pay for it. So either way, I'm go- it's okay. I'm going home. As ridiculous and, like, really actually kind of messed up as the situation was, I was okay because my focus was on the right thing. You can be content in any situation when your focus is on the right thing. And really, it's not about a taco or summer break or going home to Lubbock. The right thing is on Christ. Because he enables you, he strengthens you to be able to face any situation and be content. Now, some of you may be saying, Brandon, for real, are you really telling me that no matter what I face, no matter how poor I am, no matter how rich I am, I can face any situation and be content? Seriously. The answer is yes. Absolutely. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't break. (laughs) He doesn't get old. He doesn't get dusty. He's never outdated. Like, oh, I better update Jesus. Like, no update came out. Like, no. You can never learn everything there is to learn about him. His, his knowledge and his love. His love for you specifically is unsearchable. You, you, can't, you can't dig enough out of the way to be able to see, oh, that's how much he loves me. You'll never, we'll never understand how much he loves us. So, yes, he is enough to face anything. When you start looking to Jesus for contentment, for satisfaction, you realize that you've been hanging out at Joyland when you could be at Six Flags. <laughs> when you start looking to Jesus for contentment, you realize that you've been swimming in the gross playa lake out here when you could be at the ocean. We are way too quickly and easily satisfied with the things of the world, which ultimately leads us to be very quickly dissatisfied and discontented. Y'all, Jesus is enough for, for everything in this life. So let's, let's search him out. Let's pursue him. If you're not a Christian, I, I encourage you tonight to, to say, Jesus, uh, I want to give you my life. Maybe you don't understand what all that means afterwards. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to become a Christian. But it's really simply saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that I can't save myself, but you died for me on the cross. And Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. I want to know you. I want to follow you. 
And I promise if you'll do that, you'll begin to have some contentment in your life. Again, there's, <laughs> there's a hole in your life that nothing's going to fill except God. He is the treasure that your heart is longing for, that your heart is searching for. So seek him. Seek him in his word. Seek him by prayer, talking to him. He's the only thing that's going to make you content. The secret to contentment is looking to Jesus for contentment. When I was in India, uh, we had the opportunity to meet a, a young lady named Renu. She's 20 years old. And about a year ago, she, she came to Christ. She was telling us her story. She came to Christ. Uh, but she had been raised in a Hindu family. And they did not put up with that. So when she accepted Christ, they said, you can reject Christ and stay part of the family and still have your inheritance. We'll, stay, we'll still take care of you. Or if you pursue Christ, you continue to be committed to him. Essentially, you're dead to us. You have no family. You have no inheritance. You can leave. We could care less if you die. We'll have nothing to do with you. And Renew looked at us in the face and said, Jesus is everything to me. So I pursued him. And she said, you know what? I'm perfectly content. I don't know how I'm going to get through life. I don't know how like all my finances are going to work out. Who's going to be there for me if something happens. But she said, as, as serious as she could say it, she said, I, I'm okay. Because I have Jesus. <laughs> I'm satisfied. Which my head just kind of like, when she said that. There's a a man named Ved. Ved uh, was a father of one of the students we were working with. We had the opportunity to meet him for a few days. I asked Ved what his story was. And um, he also was in a Hindu family. He was actually in a Hindu village. So it was all uh, several Hindu families that lived together and kind of took care of one another. And um, for the sake of time, I won't share exactly how he came to Christ. But he came to Christ and led some of his family to Christ. He led his 80-year-old mother, excuse me, 80-year-old grandmother to Christ after 80 years of being a Hindu. And I said, how did the Hindu village respond to that? He said, they didn't like it. They began to persecute us. They would make us walk to an entirely different village just to get a pail of water. They had nothing to do with us. And he said, Brandon, they can burn our home. They can take our land, but they cannot keep us from our final destination. So we will love them and we will pray for them because we have Jesus. Renew and Ved, see, they get it. (laughs) They know that the secret to contentment is not about what you have or don't have. They know that it's looking to Christ for contentment. See, contentment has nothing to do with what you have. (laughs) It has everything to do with who you have. And that's Jesus. Y'all pray with me. Father, I thank you for tonight, God, and this opportunity to worship. Lord, I pray that we would right now begin to seek to find our contentment in you, to not be (laughs) too easily satisfied with the things of this world, which leads to being quickly dissatisfied. 
Lord, I know that our hearts, our minds are prone to doubt that you are good enough for us, that you are enough for us. Lord, help us to actually believe what your word says, that you can give us strength to face any situation, Lord, that you are the secret to contentment. Not just church, not just knowing about you, but a growing relationship with you. So Lord, help us to to quit chasing after things that are just shadows and start chasing after you. Lord, help us to set our eyes, our hearts on you. Lord, that we would begin to be content. We begin to be satisfied, fulfilled with you and you alone. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to have just a a few minutes to sing together. And um, a couple of us will be over there and then over here. If you would like to come and just pray with one of us, maybe you just want to say something as simple as, hey, I've been really like seeking contentment in the things of this world. And I want to start seeking contentment in Jesus. We'd love to pray with you. Um, Maybe something else. I don't know. We'd love to pray with you. But let's, as we sing this song, let's focus on who Jesus is, the story of Jesus, and seek our contentment, our satisfaction in him. Y'all stand and sing with us.